0: This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. I know, I switched up the schedule again. You know me, a little fickle at times. We were doing the Sunday thing. Sunday through Thursday. I thought it was good to post it a little early, but it just didn't work out this weekend. I don't know what's going to happen next weekend. I keep saying that somehow, some way, this podcast is going to have to change, and I think it's going to need a format change. You know, I've been talking about this really since the election. Does anybody remember the rugged survivor idea? I have a a book, 80% complete. I was going to change the podcast to be called uh, Rugged Survivor. And the reason that I was going to do that is I felt then that our voices were going to be silenced. I felt then that it was going to be completely shut down. I don't know. Maybe I need to, to, uh, you know, stay flexible, I guess. You look at what's going on with Twitter, and maybe there is some kind of a, a resurgence of free speech. Maybe I should think about going back on Twitter. I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. I hear that the primary investors in that is uh, Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia money. I guess that's the link between Trump and and Elon. you have got friends in Saudi Arabia with deep pockets, lots of cash, flush with oil cash. I don't know if Twitter was a good investment to you, but anyway, uh, after the election, I mean, I've I, I've been saying for a while that there was going to be a problem with doing a podcast of this nature in this format, I just saw it coming. I mean, even just the whole talk radio theme, it's gone. Talk radio is dead. You know, you've got a few travelers and, um, you know, a few older people that are diehard radio fans, but it's really just completely phasing out. And I think that the way that the commentary is done is phasing out. I don't think people want to hear the – the drama, the fickleness, the idiocy—I really don't. I don't think that people that are, are, um, that have any kind of a wisdom want to hear that. I really, you see, I've seen it dying for years. On top of that, you know, the the market shift, if you will, you've got this whole shadow banning censorship situation, and even if it if it improves, it's not going to come. The, the problem's not going to completely go away. I don't see that happening. Sooner or later, podcasts are going to fall under some kind of FCC-style rules, just like radio, which, you know, frankly, is probably appropriate, at least on some level. I don't know. could talk about that round and round and round. But the bottom line is I think that for market reasons and, and other reasons, regulatory, if you will, I don't know if it will be government regulating it or not, but I think it needs to change. I see it now the way, the, with the shadow banning that goes on. So what does all that mean? Well, I don't think I want to do a, a rugged survivor podcast. Although I think that that could potentially, um, you know, have a have a certain market. I really do. Uh, but I also think that a lot of the things that are discussed politically now are going to have to be discussed differently. You're just not going to be able to talk about them. In some ways, it's going to have to be speaking in, uh, 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 you know. Um, Uh, what do you call it, what did Jesus, parables, you're going to have to speak in this different language, whether it's sarcasm or in reverse, and people are going to have to kind of decipher that. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if that will work either. I just know that the idea of uh, discussing government and politics publicly right now is getting more and more difficult. Anyway, we'll see what happens. with. I've got some ideas. I'm not... Not overly anxious. I do want to do some promotion for the podcast, and I got to think about all that. What does that that branding line branding line go, and how do I do that? You know, keep my integrity and still get the word out. I got ideas on that too. We'll see. Anyway, I didn't mean to get distracted by that. Uh, I want to talk about the election. You know, where's the election headed? What are people seeing? It's really amazing to me what's going on. Uh, What I see happening is that the country, in some ways, really seems to be turning its back on the Democratic Party. On the Democrat Party. AOC getting shouted down by anti-war protesters. She thought she was going to be immune to this. She's not. Did she get winter primary? Is she up for election right now? I think so, right? I don't know. Uh, Anyway, she was just... Torn to pieces. You know, usually she's just a little darling and the crowds love her. Not this time. They told her she was a sellout. This is exactly what you were elected to be against. Yeah, she got a taste of that money. Money, money, money. (laughs) That guy screaming at her was like some, you know, young kid with crazy hair, you know, just probably a real bona fide anti war activist, you know? And, uh, he doesn't have anything to offer her. Those people aren't paying the bills. <laughs> Military industrial complex—they got coin. They're like, they're like, hey, you support the war in Ukraine? Mm. It's amazing how how she showed up with the, all the fancy jewelry. Remember, she couldn't afford an apartment. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, she's all over Ukraine. <laughs> I support Ukraine. Why? Nobody even asks. Why do you support Ukraine? What is it? Uh, well, because we respect their sovereign borders. Okay, how about our sovereign borders? See, they can't even say that. And there's an indication of what's wrong with Democrats right now, that they can't yeah. even answer that. So why do you support Ukraine? There's only one answer. Well, because they're, they're a sovereign nation and you know, don't want countries invading other countries. Just walking across the border. Really? <laughs> Is that so? I happen to agree. Maybe we could talk about that a little bit. See? Can't do it. Portland mayor. This is hilarious. Uh, Chris in Oregon, maybe you know a little bit more about this. The Portland mayor banning homeless encampments along with, and, and this was really the best political shenanigans I've seen in a while. Um, This guy, this wheeler, He's one of these very, uh, I don't want to say feminine-speaking. He's certainly not uh, toxic, masculine like I am, right? He's no alpha male. Uh, whiny, I guess would be one way of putting it. Uh, metrosexual, I would say. And so he's just very proper. I didn't—I I should have got a little clip. That's something I would like to do more of, some more sound. You could hear him spewing his nonsense and the nonsense was that they're passing a law banning these homeless encampments and uh along with an unf- all kinds of unfunded promises for housing and you know all these other you know assistance to these people living in these homeless encampments fascinating really fascinating problem that's uh, developed with this homelessness and, you know, you can't discount the impact of the cost of housing, but really the, the drug epidemic. I could go on and on, but just to spick, stick with the political end of it a second. This is Wheeler, first of all, pulling a big fugazi on the, on the liberal, drug, homeless, mentally ill crowd. They need to come up with an acronym for that, Mentally Ill, MH, Homeless, Drug addicted MHD crowd. Where's the MHD uh, flag? They should have their own political party too. MHD, they they can fit in with the BLM and the LGBTQIQSTV. <laughs> right? They're not going to be happy about this, and so then he appeases that side of things with this unfunded promise for all these different things. And we want to give you all these things. We don't know how we're going to pay for it. There's no money for it yet. And this is just the beginning. It was amazing how they sold it. It really was. And now's where the hard work begins. We got to charge those people that are still working. We got to charge them to clean this up. It's exactly what's going to happen. There's no way around it. The taxpayers are going to have to foot the bill to clean up the mess, one way or the other. What do you do? I think, quite frankly, I think it's time to employ some heavy-handed tactics. You know, you don't want to go to work. You're not going to lay around in in the parks and and all this. I could go on and on about that. But uh, you've got uh, the mayor of Portland reversing course on banning these homeless encampments. You know, I think I mentioned this. I I happen to have spoken to somebody who's involved in – Helping homeless people, which I support, which compassionate people should support. Help for for homeless people. We should have a certain amount of funding, a certain amount of resources going to help people. Some of these people they'll they'll need their entire lives, and for whatever reason they don't have or can't rely on family to do it. In some cases, the whole family uh, is uh, uh, handicapped. Uh, I knew a family, for example, great people, salt to the earth. You know, They worked as hard as they could, but you know, some of them were blind. I don't know what the genetic disorder was there, but they were all handicapped. And uh, they needed help, you know, bottom line. And as a society, that's what we do is compassionate people. The problem has become that you've had this uh, liberal idea or came out of the the Democrat Party, that somehow we should just bow down and because somebody's homeless and and disadvantaged, that we're supposed to let them defecate and urinate and take and and do whatever they want to do with complete impunity. And we should feed them while they do it, right? Because that that somehow became our obligation. No, that's not compassion, number one. Who was that helping? Not helping the communities. And it's not helping. All it did was made the problem worse, much worse. And I think there's also a big tie to the drug laws. You just can't do it. You know, I've, I've gone full circle on some of these things myself where I thought that, you know, decriminalizing. I do think that marijuana should be decriminalized. I don't think legalized. I don't think taxing it. Uh, uh you know maybe it should be banned from business it's just uh you know there's always going to be a black market under that context i guess uh but anyway i don't want to get too into that but the the open air use of drugs with complete impunity it's all tied together all tied together and people are becoming more and more aware of it so here's the portland mayor he's realizing that they're about to elect a republican governor i think out there that he's realizing that even in the in the bright blue state of Oregon, uh, that without the same ability to steal elections, that they better get their act together. He's reversing course, but not Biden and Obama. Oh, they're still raring and roaring, doubling down, angry scare tactics. Obama, he, he's lost his mojo big time. You know, he's out there saying that you better vote Democrat or Republicans are going to take away your Social Security. i got to tell you something. If, if Republicans were smart, they would double down on that. Yeah, you know what? I'm glad you brought it up, Obama, because it's about time that we look at some serious Social Security reform. How are we supposed to pay for all these illegal immigrants and deadbeats with a system that, that can't possibly support it. How are we supposed to do that? Let him answer that question. Nobody's taken away anything, but we can't just allow the system to be run into the ground. And that's exactly what Obama and, and establishment people, both Republican and Democrat, have been doing for years, just turning their back on the problem. And how long does that go on before there is a real revolt among young people to say I'm not paying 20% of my earnings to to pay for the retirees who are getting nothing anyway. But I don't know, is there do you see a pushback on the on the democrat establishment? I would say absolutely yes. And on the republican establishment in a big way. AKA Liz Cheney. I don't know if she ever was a republican. She was just establishment bottom line is that the liberal policies aren't working and people are seeing it and big basic things that we rely on government for have been destroyed by centralized government the federal government big unions uh uh, outside influence people the the schools i said it you know they started messing with the kids you have muslims that are outraged about this transgender nonsense it's just not just the the r- crazy christians that don't want their children to be taught pornography in school right imagine that it's not just the crazy christians even even muslims agree on that amazing amazing that that, that every person of sound mind can realize that it's not good to do that to children. And yet somehow the, the federal government and the Democrats and the teachers' union want to continue to ram it down people's throats. And then they want to say it's in the name of democracy. Sit down and shut up to protect democracy. Does that make any sense to you? No, that you shouldn't have a say in what your kids are taught in schools. That's That's phenomenal. Talk about radical thinking. The crime issue with the, with this liberal idea that we're just going to let anybody do whatever they want, whenever they want, wherever they want, without any regard to, to who's on the receiving end of it. People don't want to put up with it. People don't feel safe. You've got the, the economy, which has become a real, real issue. And if it's not enough that prices have gone through the roof Here we are looking at oil shortages. You know, I lived through the oil shortages of the 70s. And I don't remember issues with home heating oil, which I'm pretty sure that we would have had oil back then. Yeah, we did. West Country Hawking, outside of Philadelphia, a little duplex my mother bought, saved her money. My mother was waitressing, saved up her tips, and bought this duplex so that she could rent out the second floor— And we lived on the first floor. Isn't that amazing? And I'm pretty sure that was oil heat. Big hills in that town. I don't know how the trucks did it, for God's sake. Pretty sure, oil. But I don't remember shortages of of oil. Now, I do remember living with my father, uh, and we would run out of oil. And we'd use kerosene. Use kerosene to heat the house. Sometimes wood. Amazing. My father... We were living out in Downingtown, which is out in Chester County, and heating this old farmhouse with wood, cutting cords of wood, working, working, working. And uh, my father made this wood stove with a uh, a radiator, so to speak, in it, a coil, if you will, and tied it into the radiator system in the house, so we had central heating out of this wood system. It was phenomenal. Anyway... Uh, I'm not real excited about the prospects of going back to that. You know, I I guess, you know, this is maybe people need to learn some sacrifice, tough times, I don't know. But the economic impact, and who's it impacting? Impacting the bottom half. I mean, the whole economy is taking a hit. I think you're going to see wealth wiped out like we haven't seen in probably 100 years probably since the Great Depression. I really do. I don't think, I don't think we're going to fall off a, an economic cliff. I don't think it can happen, really. It just it, it can't stop. There's just too much going on, too many pieces. Something has to, you know, adjust, whatever that might be. But people are going to get hurt, and that adjustment is what's going to happen. But I think we're in for a, just a slow drain. I think we've been in one. I just don't think that the real economic growth is there. I think that the economic growth that we've seen is fake. The immigration issue, people see it. You know, it's undeniable the number of people uh, pouring across the border. And, you know, now we've got this this war in Ukraine going on that I don't think people really understand. I know I don't. People are standing, we, we, It seems like every day we're sending more billions over there. And at least a person or two has enough common sense in this country to scratch their head and say, you know, how is it that, you know, you got people worried about being a heat this winter, can't afford to buy food, but we just keep sending billions over there every week? And then even Biden yelled at Zelensky so you could be a little more grateful in the White House. Did you hear that comment? Where's this money going? People are asking now. Let me give you a, a couple other big points I see affecting this. Election. So those are the things that I think that your average, everyday, working-class people are seeing. The issues in the schools, the crime, economy, immigration, and the war, which, quite frankly, is getting pr- plenty of Republican support as well. Don't expect a big shift on, in Ukraine policy uh, if Republicans take over. Uh, but people are seeing that, and people aren't happy about it. And I think there's a lot of people that are rallying to vote against the, the, the status quo on those issues. People have had enough. And I don't think that the ability to cheat in this election is uh, – people have stepped up. There's a reason why they're clamoring about these poll watchers. That's intimidation. They took a picture of me. It took a picture of you dropping 17 ballots. Who? It was Democrats that were the ones that ignored the photographic evidence – that ignore 2,000 mules, if they would have addressed all this head-on, you know what the simple solution? You could drop ballots on the ground. You could send them in by courier pigeon. Uh, You could have a 400-day election process, I guess, although there's other issues with that, as long as you simply had serialized ballots. That's all. That's all it would take match the ballot. Matter of fact, I think you could make a plain argument that they should, ought to be serialized even for voting in person. And why not keep a digital record of that ballot and go back and look? Chris voted for this. That's what was counted. At any time, you could do it. they should. It should be completely transparent at all times, every ballot. Why are we not demanding this? That's one of my big picture points. Let's just keep it simple a second because when I start getting into that kind of detail, I don't think that, you know, a lot of people can follow me. And unless you've been looking into it the way I have, you know, how could you be expected to? Maybe you do if you've been, you know, if you know much about the elections. But I'm getting into details that are a little bit above what I think you would expect the general citizen to understand. But let me give you this very simple point. Why are we not getting election results at the end of the day? And they say, well, they're still counting ballots. Why? With all the computerization, why are we we getting results even later? It it defies logic. They're messing with the stuff. They should all be counted that day and then provide the results, plain and simple. Now, if they want to say that there's a mandatory recount or a mandatory audit period— I'm all for it, as long as it's supervised properly. Now, if you're going to come out and say, hey, you know, Trump won, you know, two to one, and then the next day come out and say Biden won, well, there's going to be some explaining to do. I don't know. Maybe not. There wasn't any last time. Anyway, I, I think that the longer, you know, there are you have Biden out there saying, well, it might take a while to get the results in Pennsylvania yeah, until we can. What, that, what does that sound like? It sounds uh, completely polluted, right? Completely corrupt. We're going to need a few extra days with those ballots. Yeah, I'm sure you might. Fetterman, who's running for Senate, and that's the big seat that they're worried about. And I'm no Oz fan. It's not that I don't like Oz. I just don't like the way he got to where he is. Could he be beating Kathy Barnett? Or could could Kathy Barnett be beating Fetterman? Frankly, probably not at this point, even with the stroke. But I wanted to say this about Fetterman. Another big calculated mistake. And I have to tell you, as I watch some of the stuttering fools and and the and the mistakes, the lack of wisdom like this with, with Fetterman, I really do believe we're witnessing God's hand on this situation. I really do believe that. Um, Fetterman, all he had to do was, was come out, and, and and acknowledge and admit the disability. This idea that he's hiding it is is just really ridiculous to me. He should have came out and said, "I can't debate because I can't talk right. That's a fact." But I still make more sense than Trump. If he would have, or and he could have said Trump and, and and Republicans like Oz or something like that. Or, or just Oz. He could have just stuck with Oz. But I'll still make, I still make more, more sense for the people than this quack doctor. Listen, I, you know, I wouldn't have necessarily agreed with him, and you might not have either. But he would have rallied the bejesus out of the crowds, and he would have swayed some moderate voters with that. Listen, I'm going to unfortunately have to communicate to you in writing, and somebody's going to have to read it because I can't talk. And yes, as a matter of fact, it does provide a certain disability to me. But I can still hear, think, and walk. And I'm still willing to do the work of the people of this commonwealth. Oh, my goodness. He would have got an award. No, instead he says, And I think it was God tied his tongue. Haven't we heard of things like this in the Bible? Amazing, really, when you think about it. Really amazing that it, it, he couldn't react to that. Every right to run. He would, he would have earned so much credibility. It's going to be a little harder for me to, to communicate with you, but I'm willing to do the hard work to make it happen. Good God. Could you imagine? I'd like to read this statement from John Fetterman. Greetings again, I'm sorry I can't deliver this in my voice, but, I, but he would have such an advantage. He could have turned a negative into a wild advantage. He could have had other people write it for him. He would have time to edit. He could have polished it. I'm not I'm not able to participate in a verbal debate, but I'm willing to commit my thoughts to paper right here. Number one, boom, boom, boom. Unreal. I don't know. Maybe I should be his campaign manager. The other a big point, the opportunity I think Republicans are still missing, and I don't know why, scorpions, that's why, don't, don't, listen, here's, here's the path to, uh, to getting elected in the Republican Party, which is the same path to getting elected in the Democrat Party, and that is simply raising money. That's It, it has nothing to do with your ideology, your beliefs, or your speaking ability comes purely down to how much money you got. They, the reason that the, the, the media turned their backs on John Fetterman is because Oz has more money. The Asplund family, he's married into. I don't know who's providing what in terms of funding. Maybe Oz has his own money. Apparently, he's got plenty of it. Where'd that money come from? I don't know. But, you know. I would think either inheritance or legitimate business interests or both. Maybe his wife's family's money. I don't know. They're allowed to do that. Anyway, I think Republicans are missing a huge opportunity on the abortion issue. Uh, and I don't. I have mixed feelings about this. I, I don't think that talking about abortion right now is wildly helpful. Democrats are. They're going to take away your right to be. People have forgotten about it. It's not even. It, I don't even think it's an issue in this election right now. I really don't. I'm sure it is for a few people. You know, a few diehards. But. I've been able to convince many people to explain this, and I say, it's fine. You're, you're pro-choice that you should believe that the decision should lie with the, the mother or the parent of a minor child. And um, I generally agree with that. I think there should be limits on it, but I've said many times that uh, uh, if something ever happened to my wife or my daughter, I want to make that decision in my home. And I can't begin to fathom every goofball situation and scenario that i'm going to sit here and tell you what i I would decide and i've said it many times thank god i I haven't been in that position and i'm thankful that i haven't and i feel uh that i'm sure it's a burden for people who do but where i draw the line do not expect me to pay be forced to pay for other people's abortions either through my taxes or my insurance rates, and that's exactly what's happening right now. We are paying for it, and that is against uh, my religious beliefs. In the same way that it was against the religious beliefs of the Catholic nuns when uh, the radical Jew Josh Shapiro, the cons- he says it himself, conservative Jew, right? If a conservative Protestant Josh Shapiro, uh, if conservative Protestant. Doug Mastriano is a radical Christian, then Josh Shapiro, by his own definition, is a radical Jew. And he's sued to force the Catholic nuns to provide abortions as part of the insurance for the staff. Catholic nuns forced to pay for abortions. Josh Shapiro did that. That's the evil. You tell me what what, what kind of uh, political... Uh, ideology does that kind of thing. People need to stand up. We're not paying for it. You want a choice. You choose, you know, maybe rare exceptions, but there's consequences to all that. I don't want to go down that, but the bottom line is uh, Republicans are are missing a big opportunity. I don't know who this falls with, Republicans or Democrats, but where's the infrastructure money? That's what I want to know. And I've got a little bit of inside information on this. And it kind of goes like this. You know how Kamala was out cackling after the uh, hurricane down in Florida when she said, uh, we we want the money to be distributed, um, what was the word she used, uh, equitably, right, that the uh, communities in need? See, here's So that's what they've done with this infrastructure money. So it's like they're going to replace the water lines in the poor communities but not the affluent communities, and it—I it, I don't know—I I don't even know what to begin to tell you. It's not working. The money's not flowing. Do you see any infrastructure work going on? Let me just put it to you that way. Uh, and then you have, especially Obama, who you know could sell ice to an Eskimo, and he's out there saying that for people that vote um, uh, Republican, that they're going to destroy your Social Security. And that it's going to be the end of democracy, that it's going to be like electing Hitler. If Trump comes back in the Republican Party, it'll be like Nazi Germany. Wow. Wow, isn't that something? And I think that, quite frankly, the rhetoric on the left, you know, they say, well, the, the, the election deniers need to stop. Stop what? Stop watching the drop boxes? No, absolutely not. They're intimidating people then vote some other way you vote by mail. This whole Dropbox idea is ridiculous. It can only lead to conflict. Stop. You know, they they did it under the guise of COVID COVID's over. Take the boxes away. Go back to the laws the way they were. Well, they didn't go back to the way the laws were, but they changed a lot. And, um, one of them here, for example, the, the boxes have to be monitored. They provide a person to monitor them, and they've been pretty strict about it. You know, down to where one person, one ballot, uh, I heard a story of a, a disabled uh, elderly person couldn't get out of the car. The wife brought the second ballot. The, the guard or the ballot monitoring person came out to verify it was that person. It's nonsense. It's ridiculous. Just use serialized ballots. Plain and simple. But you do get into other issues there where you could still have ballot harvesting going on, even with serialized ballots. As long as they were able to get the proper serialized ballots, they would just approach it a little differently. I would imagine that uh, even in-person voting, but I do believe that one day in-person voting, and I think it should be either a national holiday where everything except essentials has to close, uh, to give everybody an opportunity to vote. Um, and, and you have to go and do it. Got to do it in an, in an election place. I don't know. The way we're doing it now, it's a mess. So anyway, these are the, the big issues that I see um, affecting the election. And I don't see Democrats playing it very well. I think that they've gotten way out, uh, f- uh, you know, f- performing in fundraising and uh, – they don't know how to react to it. I see that there's this uh, email chains going out where they're getting uh, people to go door to door at the last minute. Democrats rallying this uh this idea that people are going to go door to door and get the word out. It's not going to work, and I don't see a lot of support for it, do you? anybody hearing any stories of any mass movement? Oprah came out for Fetterman. you know we haven't seen they haven't brought out the rock with breasts yet. Remember how bizarre it got last time. They just the demo, the, the anti Trump rhetoric support the um, you know worked in Biden's favor. The vilification of Trump you weren't you weren't allowed to like Trump. You weren't allowed to support Trump. If you were an A lister, a celebrity, whatever, not allowed to support Trump. Oh, you don't support that, do you? It's amazing, really. They want to they would talk about this freedom and democracy, but as long as you think that the way they tell you to think. And that is that, oh, you're not allowed to support Russia. You're not allowed to question what's going on in Ukraine. You're not allowed to question drop boxes. You're not allowed to question whether or not uh, your children are indoctrinated into a culture of transgenderism, that you're not allowed to speak up about the rise in crime and the poor economic Conditions that it's all for the greater good, that you're suffering for the greater good, that somehow that's the new democracy. I don't think people are appreciating it. I think people are beginning to see that this is lunacy, all of it, very destructive lunacy. You're going to see more of it, this whole currency issue, that all this debt is a major problem. And I do believe the reason why they say, oh, well, we need the immigrants for the jobs. We need to continue the population increasing or the uh, currency crashes. And white people just haven't had enough babies. Fact of the matter. I wish there, there was a study on it. You know, I was thinking about this. You know, I guess starting with about me, I'm going to say we started having children later. Was, I was 23 when my father was born, or when, my, when I was, my father was 23 when I was born which is, you know, not not exactly young by the standards then. So I guess it was creeping up a little bit. And then I was 27 when I had my son. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, not young, not old by today's standards. And now, uh, you know, we're old parents now. I I have a 7-year-old daughter. I'm 51. And most of the parents are 35 and 40, like 10 years younger than us and that that's uh, quite a bit older than it was in the past comparatively speaking another 5 years or so they waited uh beyond what I my age when I had children that seems to be the norm at least around here and so what am i getting at i think we kind of skipped a generation on top of that people having less children you know so you combine the two and it's just this massive economic shift and very sudden, really amazing, how quickly that that could begin to, to shift. And so you have this – forget about race. It's not about race. It's about age. And so all of a sudden you have this, um, um, you know, uh, lack of – this gap. It affects everything. Schools, the economy, jobs. You, you know, you see it now. I remember um, I had to get my well tank uh, replaced. And the bladder inside went bad, which happens. And uh, these guys came out, They were great. One guy was a Navy veteran. You have to go through the studio to get to the pump room here. And um, he saw some of the Marine Corps memorabilia. We were talking about the Navy and uh, asked him when he was in or something like that. And I, and I said, wow, you don't look that old. That guy was like in his 70s still doing plumbing work. And he said, yeah, uh, next time you call, there's not going to be anybody to come. There's nobody to replace us. No young people getting into that. It's just, and I think that there's some replacing it kind of in the works now. I see a bit of a resurgence in that. But the bottom line is, at the end of the day, uh, there, there's a gap, probably a, a good 20-year gap, I would say. And I see it as a huge problem, Pro- a big problem financially. It affects Social Security, affects everything, and as a result, I think we got this crazy, warped immigration idea. The voting uh, populace here is never going to allow a legalized immigration, certainly not on this scale. And we need it to have any kind of a gro- any kind of growth. We're having serious problems right now. By the way, it's the same issue in China, uh, Japan, aging population. And also Russia as well. I don't know about Europe. Europe. Europe's getting wiped out. But you really do see this just massive shift in a loss of white and Asian Slavic youth. It's kind of crazy. Big adjustment. And I don't know, maybe that has to account for a lot of the conflict, all these uh, cranky old people. I see uh, this coming as a Republican wave. This election, it looks like that's going to come together. We'll see. Hopefully, it doesn't cause people not to show, you know, to, to skip voting, to just take for granted. I'm going to tell you what, though. I don't really see that a lot is going to change. I don't see that even with a, a Republican wave, you may see big changes on some of the social issues. You know, pull back on the craziness in the schools and improvements and support for the police to fix some of the crime issues and, and immigration. That would be fantastic. But as far as the economy is in Ukraine, I wouldn't bet on it. See you tomorrow.